Welcome wrestling fans worldwide to Knoxville and the Great Smoky Mountains for the Ron Fuller Tennessee Studcast. Six feet nine inches tall, 265 pounds. This historic podcast from one of the most respected and successful wrestlers and promoters will follow the footsteps of one of the largest and oldest wrestling families on the planet. The Tennessee Stud, Ron Fuller. Through 93 years and four generations. The Stud has arrived. Old school or new fan, this unique broadcast will educate and captivate as Ron details decades of professional wrestling's growth with truly unforgettable stories. I want those people out there at home to hear the stud. Sit back and enjoy the ride with the Tennessee stud. The Tennessee stud. You will learn that name. You will remember it. And now, the stud is here. Hey everybody, welcome in. It's David Summers hosting another Studcast with the Tennessee stud, Ron Fuller. This is the only podcast on the planet which is documenting the real story of professional wrestling. Get ready for 100 years of rich wrestling history as told by the stud. Please welcome the originator of the Studcast and the man who changed the podcasting world with the Super Studcast. We step back into the ring, back into time with the Tennessee stud, Ron Fuller. What's up, my man, Ron? Oh, man. Hey, hey, it's happening, man. It's a really good, beautiful day. And uh, raring for this show, man. We got a lot going on in this one. We reached a great time period for Southeastern Wrestling here. We're into 77. Uh, we're starting to sell out Coliseum. And things are getting big time. And uh, and I'm really looking forward to to doing this one. We're going we're gonna to cover a lot of ground in this one. You're going to enjoy this show. I'm telling you, you don't know why yet, but you're going to enjoy this show. Uh, oh, listen, you got well, so, good. so much good. going on these days in both the Studcast and the Super Studcast. This month's Super Studcast, by the way, let's touch on this, a fantastic one. It's a tribute to one of the greatest wrestlers in history that left us this past Christmas Day, the legendary Danny Hodge. In this Super Studcast, the description of the titles and accomplishments of Hodge at the University of Oklahoma alone is awesome. But then the wonderful stories really begin. Jerry Briscoe from another famous Oklahoma wrestling family, the Briscoes, paints a vivid picture of Danny Hodge along with other guests in part one. Of course, I've heard you talk about Danny and it, it, the reverence is it's just amazing the things I've heard about this guy. Then Upcoming part two has a two-sport University of Oklahoma star competing in football and wrestling. Cowboy Bill Watts recalls his memories of the legend that was Danny Hodge. Listeners can get this record-breaking tribute at tnstud.com or patreon.com slash studcast. It's three hours of legendary wrestling history, only $2.99, less than three bucks. Many call it the best deal in wrestling. All right, so I bet you got something to throw in about this one, Ron. Oh man, I really loved it. I mean, I had a had a ball. Uh, gosh, the stories about uh, Danny Hodge were are just remarkable, and uh, you get a real feel in this tribute for what type of guy he was, and just a phenomenal athlete. Uh, you you can't there aren't enough accolades for for the athlete and the actual wrestler that he was as an amateur and a professional. I'm really proud of this one. Uh, it's it's going to be another, I'm pretty sure, a record breaker like a lot of these tributes have been. Check it out at tnstud.com, tnstud.com, or patreon.com slash studcast. All right, we're going to hear more about that later in this studcast. The regular studcast, of course, Ron, have been growing in audience at a fantastic pace. Thousands of new listeners each week are discovering the history of the sport right here from you, an expert at all phases of how it was done in the old school days. These studcasts are great examples of real wrestling history. So well done, stud. All right, I'm already excited about this one. Why don't you tell the fans where we're going to be riding today on this great studcast, Ron? Tell us what's up. All right, man. Be glad to, Dave. Uh, this ride going to take us in all different directions today. It begins with, obviously, our today's training. And this time, we are definitely wearing our promoter's hats. 
and we're taking a giant step forward for Southeastern Wrestling. We're going to take part in the first major event to raise money for charity in, in a basketball game. In fact, uh, we're going to be the focal point of this event because all these celebrities are going to play against the wrestlers. So it was a big basketball game in 1977 between local celebrities, sports figures, and prominent businessmen versus the Southeastern wrestlers. And there had been several of these type of basketball and softball charity events around Knoxville before, but nothing ever produced anywhere near the results that this game is going to produce. Uh, We raised a tremendous amount of money for uh, the charity for the blind, which was a great, great uh, thing to be associated with. And, uh, And it helped us to to get into this uh, charity game, uh, so to speak. Uh, and we wanted to be there. And it began to lead us. We, we began to be leaders in the, in the community with charity events. We started to do a lot of them of all different kinds. And I was really proud of that as time went on. So we're going to focus, uh, obviously, on the Knoxville card of Sunday, January 23rd, 1977. It's a triple main event which is most unusual. It has two championship matches, a Texas Death Lumberjack match, Cadillac tournament match, and more. So we're going to talk about the TV promoting that card, as we usually do, including more actual videos from 44 years ago. We've got a couple more in this one. And also the results and the attendance of that afternoon of January 23rd, 77. Our learning tree is going to answer a question from a gentleman named Johnny Tyson about a party on New Year's Eve in 1977. That's only three weeks before the events of this studcast that we're going to be talking about today. Uh, He happened to see me, Les Thatcher, and Jimmy Golden at the Hyatt Hotel in Knoxville, which was right across the street from the Knoxville Coliseum, which was the new home for wrestling. Around the country, no wrestling matches or major sports events took place on New Year's Eve. And, uh, you know, that's because people wanted to party and the people weren't thinking about doing sports events. They want to spend time with their loved ones, whatever's the reason. So athletes got a night off on New Year's Eve everywhere all across the country. All right. That sounds like a great one, Ron. I'm very excited about several topics in our studcast today. The basketball game the next Coliseum show, and the party, of course, especially the party. Now, don't rein in my horse, or you might slow down my enthusiasm, and nobody wants that. We don't talk about parties much here, more than ever. I'm ready to ride into this one, big boy. (laughs) I I think you are, man. You seem (laughs) to be on fire, Dave, man. Uh, What's your horse's name today? Well, please don't insult my horse. Thatcher's Ride. Oh, wait a minute. You're kidding me, Dave. I mean, uh, you got you have some of the pretty ridiculous horses' names, but uh, this one maybe is the craziest one yet. I mean, what, what's the go. deal here, man? I knew it. There, There is a reason for that name. I have a surprise for you later today, Stud. Remember, you ended last week's Studcast announcing a couple of things coming up this week that involved a close friend of yours. Then I have a surprise guest for you today. Well, who's that? Our guest for today is going to be what my horse's name is, Thatcher's Ride. Les Thatcher is going to ride with us today. I hope you don't mind. Whoa. <laughs> Whoa, yeah. Well, of course I don't mind, man. Uh, he's a big part of a lot of things that's going on in this studcast today. If you're going to pick one to put Les Thatcher into, this will be a good one, you know. <laughs> and uh, plus, he was a big part of the entire history of Southeastern Wrestling. So. Heck, I'm I'm happy as heck with that, Dave. Let's let's do it. Well, you talk about him all the time on the show. So Lou and I have someone on another line that fits in perfectly with some of what we're going to be covering. So uh, I could should I include him now? Absolutely. Okay, Ron, are you ready? It's an honor, and here he is. It's our friend Les on the line. Hey, Les, are you there? Hey, I'm there, Dave. How you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? I, I'm not bad for an old guy just getting over, uh, actually over COVID pneumonia. But uh, wow. when I heard I could hang out with my buddy Ron, that made me feel better already. Man, you're yeah, I'm going to cure you, man. We've been. I, I'm I'm going to cure you. It's great to have you on here. And uh, Dave, Dave kind of surprised me here with this, man. I wasn't expecting uh, you to be on with us. We don't normally have a guest on the Studcast, 
And this is really good because uh, there's a lot going on in this show that's about you. And like Dave said, uh, you're you're highly involved in every show. We talk about you, and your name comes up all the time. But it's great to have it, have you on here today. And I t- I want to jump right in and 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 tell you what I want to start with today with you, Les. If we can do that, is uh, I would like to. Uh, Take us back to 1977. Uh, we were kind of getting involved in the charity events. In fact, I think this is the first one and the big one. And uh, I want to talk about the charity basketball game that we did in Knoxville. And uh, the At Bearden winner, High School. A Bearden High School, a winner of 1977. And all of that massive group of superstars that were playing in that game. And in fact, before we get really into a lot of uh, talking about the game itself, I, I kind of want to let fans know that, you know, that I always put a photo for each stud cast on my website at tnstud.com. On this one, number 183, if you look it up on the gallery and uh, also on the stud cast page, you find a photo. And the photo is of the people that uh, are in this basketball game, this charity basketball game. And most of these little charity basketball games uh, probably drew maybe four or 500 people. This one draws 2,000 or more. I mean, you know, we just really sell the place out because all of these stars are playing against the wrestlers. Right. So, well, you know, real folks, quick, let me, let me jump in and say this one. We actually started doing a charity stuff with softball in 70, 76, summer 76, and we did – at the old Bill Myers Stadium, we must have done at least a half dozen softball games there for yeah. charity. And and the first one, I remember the GM of the uh, Knox Sox, which was a double-A uh, Chicago White Sox minor league team, saying, my God, you guys drew a 1,000 people for a charity softball game. It'll take me three three regular season games to put a 1,000 people in this stadium. <laughs> but that's just how hot Southeastern wrestling was at that time. Yeah, we were really, we were really popping it. So this particular game, uh, I, I just want to run through this really quickly. And when people look at this photo, uh, they're not they're not going to put a lot of faces with names here. But uh, you know, if they do look at the photo and they and they do have some way of, uh, of remembering some of this, uh, on the top row of this photo, going left to right, the first person there is the was the present WBA world boxing champion, Big John Tate. Yes, uh, sir. He Well, he trained. Uh, they had a, their training center was just outside of East Knoxville. And yeah. uh, John was a good guy. And, again, you mentioned, talk about celebrity. Hell, he was world famous at the time at being a WBA world heavyweight boxing champion. Yeah. Uh, next to him, standing next to him in the photo, is a Cincinnati Reds baseball catcher Ed Bailey. <laughs> it's retired. He's a at this point he's no longer still catching for him, but he's in this game. Uh, in this game, uh, uh, standing next to me, I'm going to be the fourth one in the row here. Standing next to me on the right is a former ABA basketball star, the Kentucky Colonels, Howard Bain. Yeah, and uh, now remember how, how the reason we did this for the Knoxville Association for the Blind was because Howard's sister was involved in that. And that yeah. Howard came to us, and that's how that whole thing kicked off. And, yeah, well, of course, and Howard also had played basketball at, at UT. Yeah, you for darn sure a big-time player there at UT. Then uh, on the other side of me is another basketball star. Hits an NBA guy. His name is Stan Smith, and he's also an FBI guy, I believe. Right. Yeah, well, actually, that's we first met him at Flanagan's, if you remember. Nightclub. Yeah, yes. nightclub. Yeah, and turned out to be a great guy, a good friend of ours. Uh, yes. Next to him is uh, the present mayor of Knoxville at that time, Randy Tyree. Happened to be my brother-in-law. Yes, well, <laughs> talk, talk about politics, right, and nepotism, <laughs> my God. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, just don't get too carried away now. <laughs> uh, next to Randy Tyree is a guy named Ray Wood Harris. He's at the University of Tennessee in the sports department. Next to him is Mike Stratton, a former NFL Buffalo Bills linebacker, the fifth best linebacker in the Bills history, they say. 
Wow. Yes, yeah. and let me tell you a quick story about that, too. He was a, uh, <clears throat> a racquetball, nice guy, racquetball player. And when Don Curtis, came, our, our uh, commissioner for Southeastern, had come into town, was going to be here a couple of days, he said, I'd love to play some handball. I said, well, I don't know, any, but I'll get a hold of Mike. And I called Mike, and I said, uh, told him about Don and Don's background. And he said, we want, he wants to play racquetball. I said, no, Mike, he wants to play handball. He said, my God, them people play handball are crazy. But anyway, I got him together. Strat was really a good guy. And uh, all these guys that, that, that Ron's mentioning, too, were all in. I mean, we had a hell of a time and, and, and enjoyed playing the game. But I think we entertained the people that came, too. Oh, yeah, they had a great time. Uh, the next person on that top row, I'm not sure his name, uh, but the guy on the end there is another NFL player, former player. His name is Nick Evie, played for the Chicago Bears. I mean, we're, we're, we're playing. Now, the guy in the middle, let me, let me interrupt you a minute. Game. The guy in the middle, uh, I can't remember his name either, but he was with the Eagles. And Mike mentioned a Stratton. All three of those NFL guys had played their college ball at University of Tennessee. Right. Wow. So, you know, the, so now the bottom row, let's stop down to the bottom row in this photo. The first guy on the left is Ralph Boston, the former Olympic broad jump champion that held that record for, gosh, I don't know how many years. I mean, uh, you know, so he's in the game. You know, he was a, good, a really good guy and a hell of an athlete. I played uh, in a softball league against him as well. And Damn, he could hit. But anyway, yeah, Ralph, Ralph, Olympic uh, gold medalist and, and a great champion. So if people are paying attention, think of all the national, international stars that are in this basketball game at Bearden High School in Knoxville, Tennessee. They loaded up for us, man. Wow. <laughs> they, they, wanted to, they wanted to beat the heck out of us, obviously. They did that. Uh, <laughs> So next to you, uh, there, there's a the guy that was an EMT. Uh, you and I have talked about this guy before. I don't remember his name, but he was an EMT for us at our wrestling matches. Uh, when if we had somebody that got hurt, he was always there. Gentleman next to him was a uh, with the WBIR, our television station, sport department. The next guy was Ron Sexton, who is an actual wrestler, wrestled for some in Southeastern. Uh, next to him is Bob Polk, who is going to be a future wrestling partner with me in USA and in my hockey company. Right, so and Coach Polk, uh, he ended up managing the old Coliseum and Chilhowee Park here, too. Yeah, yeah he became a, became a big figure in Knoxville. The uh, right. WBR sales department guy is next in that photo. The next guy in this photo is a Heisman Trophy winner. Johnny Majors, he's well, a, and, and college football Hall of Fame, All American football wow. player, and the coach, the present wow. coach of the University of Tennessee football team. Yes. And may I mention that he was guarding me, and I was guarding him in this game. And at one point, I said, "John, quit dropping the shoulder. This is not football. <laughs> this is <laughs> <Yeah>. basketball." <laughs> uh, and then on the end of that first row is another mayor. A former mayor before the present one, Kyle Testerman. Wow. I look and at you know what? Photo. If I remember right, it was a political coup to get Tyree and Testerman all in the same room. Never mind yeah. in the same basketball oh, yeah, game. Oh, yeah, yeah. Right? You know how politicians are, man. Uh, yes. Uh, I'm surprised they didn't get into fisticuffs. Right Can there. I give you a, a crazy story about public relations and politics that I had to deal with for this game? Real quick, Dave. And if he starts to butt in, Dave, just shut him up, okay? Or, or cut his you. microphone off. I got anyway, <laughs> I, I'm I I thought, okay, I'm gonna build a TV commercial for this this charity basketball game. So obviously, it's gonna air on our wrestling show and on BIR. So everybody at this point knows who Ron is. Anyway, so the opening segment is Ron <clears throat> shooting baskets by himself on an outdoor court. And the voiceover is, hi, I'm Ron Fuller. Help me help the Knoxville Association for the Blind. The second uh, section of the film that comes up is Johnny Majors at his desk at, at University of Tennessee. Hello, I'm Johnny Majors. Help me help the Knoxville Association for the Blind. And as a wrestling guy, to me, the main event is always on last. You don't put the main event on first. So the last segment is current mayor of Knoxville, Randy. T hi, 
I'm Randy Tyree. Help me help the Knoxville Association for the Blind. So Bill Kincaid to produce our show has got this all edited and it's starting to run. And I'm just tickled to death, man. I'm proud, man. We got this thing out there real nice. And I forget her name, Ron, but the lady who was Tyree's PR person calls me and is all over me. Randy was on last on that commercial. <laughs> and he's the, I said, wait a minute. Let me try to explain the wrestling mentality. The main event always goes on last. Well, this is not wrestling. And I thought, damn, lady. I'm not a politician, but I'm going to bite my tongue and not hang up on you, right? And I thought, we're doing this great, we think we're doing this great job. And this woman is thinking, this, who is this hillbilly, right? What does he know? But anyway, long story short, we had a hell of a good time and did well for, for those uh, Knoxville Association for the raised, Blind. Raised but a you, lot of money, raised a lot of money. Like I said, it was a record. Uh, and you know, I got to go back. Uh, I, I I didn't didn't say this to listeners out there. This is our today's training, and uh, and this is a, obviously a promoter hat day. You know, I mean, this is a tremendous promotion event. Uh, just turned out to be much much bigger uh, because of you, Les, uh, getting involved, and in, uh, you know, and we're working with Howard Bain and all these big name people. Uh, not just in Knoxville, but across the country, recognizable stars in all different cities and all different sports. Uh, it was pretty amazing, and it really lent a tremendous amount of credibility to what we were doing at Southeastern Wrestling at the time. You know, associated uh, with this. Yeah, Dave. I, I basically, I guess you'd say I was uh, the public relations guy for the company, uh, or or the or whatever. But to me, I always look. You know. People wanted to be suspect of wrestling. And I always said, and I think I probably said out loud to Ronald many times, if we're doing something positive for the community, giving back to the community, they can't say, hey, they're giving back to the community and trash us at the same time. So part of this, I can't say, part of this was business because we were trying to sell, you know, put wrestling over in a positive light for the community. And I think we ended up doing that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. No yeah, I think we accomplished it very well. And uh and that all started when you were there in the very beginning, Les. We brought in uh I brought in uh, Dale Lewis. Uh, I had Danny Hodge a lot in seventy five. I had Nelson Royal. Uh, you know, I had these old time shooters and these old tough dudes and uh and we were trying to do a lot of wrestling in a in a territory and in that part of the country that hadn't had a lot of wrestling. And, uh, yeah. you know, we tried to change the mentality of the fans in that area, and and we were able to do that. And uh, Well, that's- you know, to, to, back, to turn the clock back a little bit, I had first wrestled here in 68, and uh, when John Kazana got TV in 69, Whitey Caldwell and I were the, were the hot babyface team and the rights were the hot heel team. But Ron and Don, as much as they were over and as hot as they were as heels, they weren't wrestlers. I mean, they were meat choppers. I mean, you know, they were brawlers. And so that was part of the, the, the allure, too. Whitey and I were the wrestlers and the clean-cut, what they used to call white meat baby faces. And Ron and Don were these country boys that didn't know a wrestling hole, but they knew how to throw punches and kicks and all that. So when Ron bought the territory in 74, that was one of our main objectives was to switch and bring wrestling. Well, t- talk about to maybe uh, educate not only the, the public, but my first when I first came in to do the TV, I said, okay, let's where's the format so we can put this TV? I don't have a format. So I, I drew a format with a ruler and a piece of stationery, and we went to Kinko's and got copies. And this was a fr- John Kazana, God love him, had never used a format. It was just <laughs> flying by the seat of his pants. Wow. And we went into Channel 26 that first Saturday morning, and I started handing out formats to the sound guy and to the director, and they looked at us like, what the hell are they doing? <laughs> we don't do- <laughs> wow. But that was our mindset, that to yeah. bring wrestling into more of the modern era and refine it and, and give it some respectability. Cool. Well, wow. uh, you know, I think we accomplished it, and, uh, you know, and, I, and I'm hoping the listeners out there, they understand uh, this event. And it, it, this really started things for us. We really got highly involved in the community after this. And uh, we end up uh, with Special Olympics and all types of other programs. Uh, Have and you still got the picture of you and I and Hacksaw Reynolds? 
at the Special uh, Olympics. <laughs> no, I wish I did, man, but I don't. I've I've, I, I've got I've still got a copy of that. And if you, I remember it. I'm sure you do too. Is finally Hacksaw Reynolds. Uh, by the way, Dave, if you didn't know, was a UT ball player, but he also was with the Rams and a big, you know, uh, all pro, et cetera, et cetera. And so we're at Special Olympics, and all, and he come, finally comes over and introduced himself, and he s- said, "Can I ask what you guys do?" More of these kids <laughs> talking to you than they are me. Right. Yeah, yeah. He he's a big national star, and uh, and we got all the kids, man. Everybody's surrounded us, and he's sitting off to the side, and he finally asked, he asked to come and ask, "Who are you guys?" <laughs> 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 wow. the deal here, man. So. Uh, so well, that's, uh, this is the. I, I'm I'm glad you're on here with us. Uh, we're going to have you back on here, and I hope you can just uh, kind of hang in there with us and stand by. And uh, and I want to bring you back in a little later in the show. Uh, actually, I try, may want to bring you back twice since uh, Dave's you know surprised me with this. Uh, I, I'm going to try to work you into the show a little bit more here, and uh, and if you can hang in there, we'll get back to you and uh, just stand by. Okay, I guess. All right. All goes. right. Look at. Looking forward to it, babe. All right. That was a cool way to open the show, Ryan. Good job on that. So where are we riding now? Uh, we're, we're headed into the Coliseum, man, on Sunday afternoon, January 23rd, 1977. Uh, and this card is loaded. Seven matches, uh, a triple main event. Big, big card. The opening match is going to be uh, Don Wright uh, against Louis Tillette. The second match was a special challenge match. Dick Steinborn finally facing the gladiator, Jim Dalton. Uh, heads up, uh, the two Cadillac tournament matches on that card, Ron Wright against Norvell Austin in the first one, and Don Carnoodle faced off with Ronnie Garvin, managed by Big Bad John in the second one. Then there was a Southeastern Tag Championship match. Bob Armstrong and Jimmy Golden challenged the champions, Kurt and Carl Von Steiger, a Texas Death Lumberjack match was the sixth match on this card. This one was a Texas Death match rules with wrestlers surrounding the ring to throw the contestants back in if they tried to leave the ring. And it was Big Bad John versus me. And the seventh match was a Southeastern Championship match with the champion Robert Fuller facing the brand new Mongolian Stomper managed by Don Carson. It was the Stomper's first championship match. Man, that is an awesome card right there. All right, listen, I think this is a good place to take a break. Let's do that. While we're breaking, go to tnstud.com. That's tnstud.com. Every super stud cast is there. Every stud cast is there for future listening. All right, we'll be back in one moment. This stud cast will continue right here. Danny Hodge was unquestionably one of the greatest amateur and professional wrestlers ever. He was much more than that. When you hear the stories and love for him in Super Studcast number 37, you too will understand the loss wrestling suffered on Christmas Day 2020. At tnstud.com or patreon.com slash studcast, fellow Oklahomans Jerry Briscoe and Cowboy Bill Watts make him come to life again. Three hours is barely enough to scratch the surface on the man he was. Don't miss this heartfelt tribute to one of America's greatest athletes at tnstud.com or patreon.com slash studcast only $2.99 you could also get a better feel for Ron and his wrestling accomplishments when you watch the tremendous 60 matches and 12 hours of his 5 pack DVD collection of the Southeastern Continental Territories that produced so many of the fantastic stars that made the sport great get the classic old school 5 pack now on his website tnstud.com stud.com click stud store the best deal in wrestling five dvds 60 matches 12 hours only 39.99 and that price includes shipping order yours now and own a piece of wrestling history we are back david summers here with the tennessee stud ron fuller and a special guest les thatcher is going to be back with us before you know it stay tuned this is this is an awesome stud cast and we're just getting warmed up. All right, I bet it's time for the TV show for Saturday, January 22nd, 1977, the day before the great card you talked about right before the break. So where are we, Stud? Oh, man, you're on top of it, Dave. I tell you, you. you know, you. Uh, you. I was, uh, you know, it, it, I was on a rare uh, <laughs> occasion, not on t- uh, at television that day. 
Uh, it was the beginning of some of these dates that I had scheduled a year earlier with uh, Sam Muchnick, the president of the NWA, to work for him in St. Louis. And that's one of the reasons that I got my brother to become a co-booker with me in my territory is because I knew I had these upcoming dates in January of 1977, and I wouldn't be able to be at the televisions. I wouldn't be able to be at some events because these are these uh, usually events went from Friday to Sunday when I went to St. Louis. This worked out good for me. Rob was there. He was able to handle business. And I'm going to be back on that Sunday morning, uh, the day of the Coliseum show. So this TV opened with a special guest, the new NWA World Junior Heavyweight Champion, Nelson Roy. And the opening still shot uh, behind him and Les uh, that we usually always showed. It showed a shot of him with his hand raised and he's standing over uh, Danny Hodge, who's still laying on the mat below. You know, and oddly enough, Danny Hodge is the subject to this uh, recent stud cast we've done. So it all kind of fits together today. And uh, Les and Nelson Royal, they'd been partners in Southeastern in 1975. I went there in 74, 1975. They were my babyface team. And Nelson had been a great babyface back then. But boy, that wasn't the case anymore, man. He's not a babyface now that he's taken the belt from Hodge. So they watched him and Les watched the video of the match in which he it was pretty obvious in this match. He basically stole the World Junior Heavyweight Championship from Danny Hodge. And then he got the fans mad right away. You know, it didn't take him long to for people to forget he was a nice guy. He, he arrogantly challenged right off the bat. He says the less, you know, and to the cameras, mostly not talking to less. He made it very plain. He was talking to people out there and he says, you know, I want to take a challenge from any junior heavyweight in the world. And if you want this belt, he showed his belt. All you got to do is come get it. So basically, within the length of one video uh, displaying his new attitude, Nelson Royal had gone from a baby face to a heel. And and the crowd started to boo him. They, they you know, they, they cheered him on the start because, you know, hey, it's Nelson Royal. He's a good guy. And then by the time he got to this to the end of the little uh, video, they're booing him. And just like, uh, man, he didn't have to wait long to get that challenge because out of nowhere, Jimmy Golden popped out there on the set. And, uh, you know, the TV audience popped as soon as they saw him. And, and Jimmy said, hey, I want to challenge you right now. <laughs> he goes, I like a shot at that belt. And uh, so Nelson Royal, what's he going to do? He had to accept the challenge. <laughs> Then, then uh, you know, Les jumped in there and he said, well, guys, uh, Jimmy's got a match tomorrow. And, he, and, he, and so Jimmy said, what about next Sunday? And uh, so then uh, Les got, he grabbed his little book and he, he says, hey, I don't, you're not booked yet. And he goes, let's be me and Royal next Sunday, well, January 30th for the World Junior title. Boy, the crowd exploded, man. Uh, Jimmy left to sit. He was on fire, and uh, Nelson, junior heavyweight of the world, he went to the ring, and uh, he had a match. He was going to work on TV, and he went in there with the, oh, he was mad. He destroyed the poor guy he was working with, and then he returned to the set without even breaking a sweat, and he made the first interview of the show, and uh, his interview, boy, he tore into Jimmy, man. He called him the young punk at young punk had the nerve and the audacity to come out here and interrupt me in my big moment. You know, he said, I'm going to make Golden look like a fool in eight days at that Coliseum. <laughs> you know, I'm going to, I'm going to humiliate that punk, you know? So, uh, Jimmy and J Bob Armstrong, they're in the very next match and they're reunited as a team here. And they're back in there working against the Von Steigers the next afternoon in the Coliseum. And it's a championship match. And we remember Armstrong and Golden had this little move they were doing where Jimmy would throw his feet in the air and Bob would throw him across the ring, producing the drop kick, basically. And uh, so they went right back to that maneuver. They won the match by doing it. Bob threw him at both opponents. And, and then they both covered those guys and a pretty quick win. Uh, fans were really popped. They loved to watch that move. And then it, they turned the fans on even more when they got ready to make the interview for the next day's tag. 
And Jimmy finished the interview by saying him and Bob were going to be the Southeastern Tag Champions tomorrow. And then the following Sunday, he's going to be the World Junior Heavyweight Champion. <laughs> Jimmy's having a field day. He's really enjoying himself. The personality profile was next. Big Bad John, Ronnie Garvin, and they joined Les live in Studio B. And the vans were just a few feet away. They were watching it live. And they watched the cage. And then the people in that part of the country call it a fence match. The cage slash fence match, we'll call it, from the Sunday before, uh, the following six days earlier. And John did all the talking, obviously, as he always did. And uh, started complaining right off about the crazy idiot Fuller brothers. And, uh, you know, they were describing the match. They were actually watching some of this cage match. In this match, Ronnie Garvin jumps off not just the top rope. He climbs to the top of the cage. And he jumps off twice in this match from the top of the cage. Uh, Just uh, spectacular stuff. And, you know, without further description, I mean... We have the actual audio from 44 years ago, and this is compliments. These audios come from from Robert and his brother uh, in in Knoxville, Tennessee, Robert and uh, Richard. And uh, these things are great. I really, really enjoy them. This one is super. It actually lasts uh, almost three minutes, and it's going to be what uh, Big Bad John was actually saying during this personality profile as he watched the actual cage match. So, uh, Lou, if, uh, if you don't mind, can we play that audio, please? Right now, and this is the fence match between the Fullers, you and Ronnie Garvin. That's right. Well, you notice right there, see? Old Fuller snatched me trying to run my head up all up in that wire, split all the top of my head open, all up in here, split all the top of my head open, had me bleeding out there like one of them Texas oil wells that just come in. Look at it, crammed my head into that wire. Look at that. Look at that, stomping me in the head. I'll tell you something about them fullers. They ain't hanging loose or nothing. But you know something? The best part of a battle is when you retreat. You retreat, revamp, get your stuff back together and get it down and get it again. Look at that. Punching me all in my head. Them damn fullers is nuts. They nuts. Look at them. They ain't got no sense at all. All they want to do, look at that. Punching me all in my head. No, that's illegal and everything. But look at the Garvin. Look at Garvin, see, climbing high. Getting way up there on the top. Way up there on the top. Getting ready to come right off in this. Look at him. Wham, right in the head. See that what happened? So all I had to do is hold him down there long enough where Garvin could get up there and jump off on his head. See that? Now the tide is turned. See what I'm talking about? That little bit of retreat, revamping, getting it together. Look at that. <laughs> Chuck Fuller clean over the top rope. <laughs> right out over the top of the fence. Over the hog wire. Every while I'm telling you, he can't get back in. Look at his brother. His brother getting whooped like a dog. Now look at here. That's what Big John getting down. Oh, whoa! Go splashy, but he moved. He moved. Yes, Hear me what I'm telling move, you? Yes. Injured my body when he moved. Made me land on all that all that wood and that concrete down there. Look at this guy going slap nut. Look at him whoop on my head. You know ain't nobody supposed to do nothing like that. Inside, but you see there, he got his favorite hope. Got his favorite hold. Now I'm wearing a brace and everything. I'm wearing a brace and everything. But I'm going to tell you something. I survived. I walked out of his hold. Hear me what I'm telling you? I'm Got up and walked out. Walked out. A lot of people ain't done that. He's put that on a lot of people. Laid them up in the hospital. Drug them out. Sent them other places and everything. But not Big Bad John. Big Bad John's revamping. Revamping. Well, of course, the mass confusion here at the end of the match. You're getting out of the wire. You and Garvin are headed for the dressing room. That's right. So That's what I'm telling you. you got to get out. you got to get out between with the four and Big Bad John and right. Ronnie Garvin. We hope you enjoyed it. Draw your own conclusions. We'll be back in just a moment to talk to a couple of Southeastern wrestlers. Ronnie was live in the next match, uh, and he closed, boy, uh, you know, as soon as they watched this cage match, and he went straight in the ring. He closed another windpipe, obviously, with another one of those flights from the top rope. Uh, he got the pin. Big Bad John hung the poor jobber that Fit Garvin jumped in his throat and, and prepared the body for hell, and he went to the set for an interview. <laughs> 
And uh, <laughs> and it began with an interview that I made in St. Louis at the Kiel Auditorium the night before and had gone to FedEx and sent it out so that uh, it could play on the station that Saturday morning in Knoxville. Wow. And, wow. Uh, and this one is going to be another one that we have, the audio. We have this actual audio from 44 years ago. The first part of it is going to be the interview that I did in St. Louis. And it's going to mention the fact that I'm in St. Louis. And I think uh, even John. And then it'll be followed by John's comments later on. So, uh, Lou, if, uh, if you can, uh, let's play that audio. I'm going to be in St. Louis wrestling, but I'm sure that you're going to be watching the Big Bad John, and I hope you pay a lot of attention to what I have to say. You're obviously, John, as dumb as you look like you are because you went and asked for a Texas death match with Lumberjack Rule, which means that somebody's going to get hurt, John. Somebody's not going to walk out of the ring. And last week, you wouldn't have walked out of the ring because I had the toehold on you had it not been for your partner. But your partner's not going to be there this week. And I can guarantee you, you can go ahead and write Terry Funk a letter, you can give him a phone call, and you can tell the people back home that you'll be coming home because I'm going to send you home tomorrow afternoon. I'm going to put the toehold on you this time, and I'm going to break your leg, Big Bad John. And that's a promise, and I don't make a lot of promises that I don't keep. So I've heard you say it before, somebody's going to get hurt bad. Well, Jack, his last name's not going to be Fuller. I'll see you tomorrow, John. Well, John, Texas Death Match with Lumberjack Rules. You've heard Fuller's comments. Tell us here yours. Mine's going to be very short and very sweet, Fuller. The only damn mistake you made is when you leave in St. Louis trying to come back down here and run over something or somebody. I'm going to tell you something, boy. You getting hold of a double hand full of Big Bad John because I've retreated, I've revamped. I got my stuff together, baby, and I'm going to tell you something. Maybe you just don't know who you're messing with. Maybe that's it. You just don't know who you're jacking with. Well, boy, I'm going to tell you after Sunday at 3 o'clock, you damn sure going to know because you're going to get Just reach out your hand, boy. Reach out your hand, and Big Bad John going to sit right down at him. That's and when tomorrow, I sit the last segment of the show opened up with Don Carson and the Mongolian stomper at the set. Um, Carson's having a field day, man. He bragged about his unbelievable specimen of a human, you know, and uh, what this guy can do to people. It's just, uh, you know, he's, he's destruction. And he had uh, all types of different accolades that he could throw in the stomper's direction. And he bragged about, bragged and bragged and bragged. He said to people at home, should be paying just to see this guy. You know, he, he said, you should never be free on TV. You know, he said, but since he's here today, he, he told us, he said, I'm only brought him here because I want him to beat two people today on television, two people at the same time. So this was the Mongolian Stomper's first ever match on Southeastern television. Uh, Stomper didn't just beat two men at once. He stomped them in the face. He bloodied both of them. He piled them on top of each other and pinned them. Rob told me uh, when I got home on Sunday that he said it was the most silent he had ever seen that television crowd during and after that match. And we both just, uh, we loved it. Uh, I mean, obviously, it was proof that the Stomper was going to make Southeastern something even more special. So after Stomper's quick win, Carson returned to the set with his monster, and he watched Rob's one-minute interview about defending his Southeastern title the next day against the Mongolian Stomper. And then Carson finished the two-minute interview with a warning to fans. He said uh, something like, uh, don't come to the Coliseum tomorrow unless you're prepared to see a slaughter. He said, I'm going to turn my Mongolian Stomper loose and for the first time tomorrow, and Robert <laughs> Fuller should get ready to give us his southeastern belt right now. And uh, tomorrow, after we take the belt, he's going to be in a on an ambulance ride to the nearest hospital. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he was having a day. Carson was loving it. He's got that monster with him. And he's, he's you can see Don Carson is headed for glory, man. He's just really into it. I can hear him saying every bit of that. What a TV show. The World Junior Heavyweight Champion live audio pieces.
from 44 years ago. Interview from St. Louis and the Mongolian Stompers first match ever on TV. All right, that's awesome. Where where to now, Ron? Where are we riding now? Well, let's give everybody the results of that January 23rd, 1977 card. Don Wright won the opening match against Louis Tillette. Dick Steinborn finally faced the man who stole his gladiator identity. And this one had been brewing for weeks. I mean, and, and it ended up in a brawl, man. Both men got disqualified. Uh, they didn't like each other. This, this is going to be good, and there's going to be some more of these matches between these two guys. Uh, Ron Wright was in a Cadillac tournament match, and he won that one over Norvell Austin. Ronnie Garvin beat Don Carnoodle in the second Cadillac match, eliminating Carnoodle from the tournament. Bob Armstrong and Jimmy Golden won by disqualification over the Stigers, who got disqualified on purpose to keep their tag belts. And uh, Jimmy and Bob were, were taking it to them and, uh, and should have won the match. Okay, uh, before I get to this next match, I, I want to bring Les back in, if I could. Uh, you still there, Les? Uh, yeah, I'm here, Ron. I'm yeah. here. All right. Uh, I want to I want to talk about a particular match. And uh, and I think maybe you'll remember this match. Uh, certainly, I remember you being a part of this. It was a Texas death lumberjack match between me and Big Bad John, who was in the Coliseum on January 23rd, 1977. And uh, you were one of the lumberjacks. And yeah. Uh, in this match, uh, Les, you haven't been in the business, man, uh, in the wrestling business like I was for many, many years. 17 uh, years at that point in time. All right. So, you know, at, I'm at seven years at that point in the, in my career. And uh, and in this particular match, this Coliseum got 5,000 plus in it, and it's rocking and rolling. And I'm getting those goosebumps making this big comeback. And all of a sudden, for some reason, man, I feel like I need to dance, right? <laughs> yes. And, and, you know, and then now people are going to laugh and go, well, that's crazy. You know, what kind of dance you talking about? I'm not really talking about breaking down and doing some kind of funky dance. You know, uh, I don't know about a little head shaking. And it's the type of thing that wrestlers traditionally, it happened to them. Uh, all, the, all the really good wrestlers at some point in their career, they they find an easy way to get a big pop from the crowd without doing much. Uh-huh. And in this match, it's my first time to ever get a big pop without having to do a whole lot. And I I started to do this little deal the rest of my career and just about <laughs> every match I had. And you were there and you were outside on the floor. And I remember the first couple of times I did it, the crowd popped. They popped again, and I wasn't really doing anything but just shaking my head and strutting around the ring in a way. And uh, and you scream at me, what are you doing up there, Rob? <laughs> <laughs> well, I did. And, and, you know, Dave, here's the thing, too. As we've talked about that any time I've been on this show, we're trying to sell serious wrestling, right? And, uh, and now today, what Ron just mentioned is like, Hell, everybody does that, right? I mean, it's like it would get lost in the shuffle. But I'm thinking, yeah, and him and him and John are having a hell of a match, and and he's right, man. The people are in it; they're emotionally in. And all of a sudden, he starts shaking his butt. Now I'm thinking, what the hell are you doing here, right? <laughs> and and the crazy thing is, you know, he and I were both single uh, young gentlemen, and Flanagan's dance main dance club in this in this county, never mind this city. <laughs> was we had VIP memberships. Now, we were in there at least once or twice a week, and if anybody was on the dance floor, it was trying to be John Travolta. It was me. Ronald would just stand around having a drink and talk to the ladies, right? And now, all of a sudden, in front of 5,000 people, he wants to become John Travolta. And I thought, damn, son, this is not the time or the place. But it got over uh, you know, I think I probably got that from Dusty Rhodes. You know, how Dusty was when he was a heel. He never danced. And all of a sudden, he became a baby face. And all Dusty could get yeah. down. He would break down, man. I'm telling yeah. you. And uh, pop that crowd. And uh, what it was, it was just an easy. It was like a. It was like an improvement in your work when you were a wrestler. And all of a sudden, you could, uh, you could get them whenever you wanted to by doing a little something different. And. You know, uh, yeah, well, you know, too, for any of the young people that are big 
you know, wrestling fans, WWE or AEW or whatever today realize that the, the great thing about the sixties and the seventies that the great workers, and I say that with my, you know, doing my fingers is in workers, not entertainers, workers. But the thing of it is everything was improv except the finish of the match. So we built everything on the fly. And what Ron's saying is it just felt right. And he did it and it worked. <laughs> and, uh, you know, all of us have been in situations, you know, when we were, when I knew we were going to talk about this, I was thinking too, Dennis Hall and I, when we were doing tag team uh, together with the cousins with Kirby, we had this thing that we'd win a fall and we'd get to the middle of the ring and we would jump and do the splits and touch our hands to our toes. And it popped up. I mean, now we didn't do it in the middle of the match but it just happened to work. So this is when we were down on the Gulf coast for Lee fields in Louisiana. And so that was something we did when we won a fall and it, you know, but it, like you say, it was easy. The people got with it and it became sort of a trademark in a way. Hmm. Yeah. So it did. It did for me anyway. So, uh, well, let's thank you very much. You know, uh, I'll bring you right back in here in just a second. Uh, I want to finish out, uh, the uh, last match on there and, uh, and talk a little bit about the attendance and and then I'll bring you back in on the on our learning tree, man. Which All is right, a good. Hell of a question. You're gonna really like this one, man. Uh you're gonna really enjoy this one. So uh thank you very much and uh and uh, we'll be back to you in just a second. The last match of the afternoon wasn't a good one for my brother. Uh Stomper had him bleeding pretty badly and uh Rob fought back and and he actually had the stomper reeling at the very end of it. Uh, and Carson uh, got Rob's attention, uh, you know, and that's uh, that's what Don Carson's going to be all about here. And uh, that's all it took. The stomper kicked Rob in the back and the lower back from behind. He didn't even see him coming. And uh, that was the beginning of the end. It wasn't long before he had pinned him. And uh, after the stomper's victory, Don Carson was parading around that ring like a peacock, man. No. Can you imagine that? Yeah. <laughs> you know, especially when the referee handed him the Southeastern belt and he put it around the waist of his Mongolian stomper and snapped <laughs> those buckles together. Uh, he was he was fit to be tied, man. Uh, you know, and basically, you know, when I, when I watched this match from back behind the curtain in the Coliseum, it was really clear to me that a new day was dawning for Southeastern wrestling. How about that? All right. So what was the attendance for this one, Ron? Uh, it was the fourth straight week above that 5,000. I mean, uh, you know, we are really kicking some butt for a city the size of Knoxville. Uh, uh, Southeastern is is beginning to get a real roll going, and, it, and it's not going to end for for a long time. Obviously, a great time to be a fan in the Southeast. There was so much going on. Speaking of going on, I think it's time to get that cold drink. We'll have a seat under the learning tree. And I've been looking forward to this one, Ron. It's party time. Remind us again, who asked the question and what was it once again? Okay, I want to bring Les back in uh, one more time for this one. And the learning tree question came from Johnny Tyson. Uh, he asked, did you... Les Thatcher and Jimmy Golden have a good time at the Hyatt Hotel on New Year's Eve of 1977. I saw you there surrounded by people, and I was a big fan. Well, Les, did we, did we have a good time that night? Did we ever? Are you kidding me? <laughs> you know, the crazy thing is I was living in Charlotte at the time, and, of course, I had to stay over, whatever, because of the, the timing and the house show and the TV. So... You and I and Jimmy, what are we going to do? Well, they say they, you know, the Hyatt has a party. And that was the big major hotel right by the Coliseum. So as I remember, we went in and we bought a drink at the bar on the main level. And I forget what, four floors, Ron? Four, I think the Hyatt had oh, four. Yeah, well, four. I think it's a few more than that. But uh... Well, whatever. But anyway, so we bought a drink and we had been told that at the Hyatt, you know, they had, uh, suites and rooms open with people, you know, it was like, Hey, come on in. So we started working our way up from the lobby to the first, uh, to the next floor, et cetera. And we never spent another nickel that night. It was like a stature, Ron Fuller, Jimmy Gold. Hey, come on in. Hey, there's a buffet. What do you guys want to eat? What do you drink? 
we didn't know that we were that you know high profile in the city until we worked our ways from the bottom from the lobby to the top floor we drank we had food uh actually i think got propositioned by a few young ladies before it was all over and never spent another dime and just had a hell hey you guys yeah we watch out the come on in hey you like chicken here's ham uh, you know, I mean, it was, it was amazing. And I said to Ron, when I, you know, uh, I said, Damn, we own this city. And when I say that, I don't mean it in an egotistical way, but our TV was so hot and so well, you know, and in the city, then there wasn't, you know, there was UT and then that was it pretty much in terms of major league, anything. So we found out on new year's Eve that Lord, there are a lot of people watch us, and and I thought, how this is great, man. I pay I, at the time. I think a mixed drink. I probably had rum and coke or bourbon and coke, probably a buck and a half or maybe two dollars at the time, and that's all we spent, right, Ronald? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was amazing. Uh, you know, and the people that are familiar with the Hyatts, the, those hotels are all built in a different um, different fashion, and this this hotel in particular was beautiful. It had a lobby that was probably, it went up to maybe 300 to 10, 10 stories at least, maybe 15 stories. And uh, everybody had the balcony. All the rooms were on one side of the hotel and they were staggered so that when you mm-hmm. went out in front of your room, you had a, you'd put your hand over the railing, you could see all the way to the bottom of the lobby. Yeah. And the hotel was just crammed with people. There must have been... A uh, thousand. There had to be two thousand people in the in the well, lobby. That, yeah. Alone. Well, that, know, I but, remember in the lobby when we got our bought our bought our first and only drink that we had to pay for is like we were like two or three deep to get to the bar <laughs> to place the order and and yeah, but I mean there were people and the crazy thing, uh, Dave is, every, I mean any floor you go on, there were at least a half dozen rooms or more that the doors were just open. I wow. mean. Yeah. yeah, just walk in. Here's food. Here's drink. Here's whatever, you know. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it was a, it was, it was a, it was a real party, and uh, you know, everybody was being sociable, and like you said, the doors were open, and when you'd walk by, we'd walk by, and uh, and that people would stop us. They would go, "Hey, that's one, that's one for their less stature," <laughs> you know. And yeah. I mean, it, it wasn't just one room; it was every room on every floor. And then they would drag you in. They'd say, you want a drink? You want to eat? You know, they wouldn't want you to leave. And we'd go finally leave that room and we'd go one the next room and it'd be the same routine in the next yeah. room. We never and made cra- it. The, the crazy thing is you could tell that they watched the TV because, I, you know, whatever hot angle we had going at the time, hey, are you going to beat so-and-so's ass? Or, or right. you know, I mean, that was, and yeah. I mean, you talk about, uh, uh, taking a poll of something that night when we left, we knew that Southeastern wrestling, it was part of the fabric of, of Knoxville and East Tennessee for guy. I mean, we weren't aware of how over we were. And, and I think that was really a, a real awakening. Don't you think Ronald? Oh yeah. That, that's <laughs> the night. I think uh, that we, the three of us looked at each other at the end of that and said, wow, what 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 have we accomplished here, man? We had really accomplished something in two short years. We'd turned wrestling from being an old country sport into a big deal. And, uh, you yep. know, we weren't in the Chihuahua Park anymore. We were right across the street in the Coliseum every week. And, uh, and we were stars. And this was 1977. It's the same time frame that we're talking about right now in January of 1977. And we uh, broke the Coliseum attendance record, which had been set in the 50s by the traveling Russian hockey team that played uh, some minor league team that was here in town at at that particular time. But they had set the the attendance record at the Coliseum until, uh, I don't remember what the card was exactly, but we then broke that record. And as far as I know, in terms of attendance, uh, probably... It still stands. held that record until they stopped having wrestling there. I guess it, it still stands. It's still the record. Uh, it was a world championship match for me and Harley in April of that year. 
Yeah. Uh, and it's a still an all time record in that building. So, you know, uh, you know, I, the, the point here, I guess, is uh, we had really arrived and wrestling had really arrived. And uh, and to uh, Mr. Tyson and that uh, asked this question. Uh, yes, uh, we had a very good time. And, uh, <laughs> and we also discovered that uh, that we had built a huge wrestling company in uh, in the southeast and you know what it must tell us too that mr tyson was sober <laughs> that he <laughs> recognizes and remembered us after all these years right uh, yeah. yes wow. uh, yeah i guess so and uh, and he uh, may have been the only sober person in the hyatt <laughs> yeah no kidding no kidding those hyatt hotels by the way were known for their giant atriums grand yeah. openings uh, yeah giant that that went up so high uh, in the major markets like that, but those big atriums where everybody could uh, was part of one big community. That's awesome. It's a beautiful hotel. And yes, it had that huge atrium. When you got up on the top floor, you're looking down 150, 200 feet. And that lobby is just wild to wild people. I mean, and the whole hotel is just buzzing. It's like, wow. It was an event. I think we went again the next year too. I well, the next, if you don't remember, the next year we got a southeastern got a suite. We got a room. Course, yeah, and it had to be only the baby faces. Dave realized because right. we, you know, kayfabe was very much in vogue. So it was yeah, the baby faces. We had a suite, and uh, so not only did we move around, we had a. Uh, Action Central of our own in the second year. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. Well, let's, gosh, I, uh, you know, Dave, great idea you had, man. A good surprise for me. And uh, Les, thank you so much for being on. Uh, and uh, just can't say enough that uh, you have been such an, you were such an essential part of all of that, uh, the TV show and everything else. And, you know, I owe you a whole lot, man, for what you did. You heard that, Dave. You heard that. He owes yeah. me a whole lot. Yeah, yeah well, you know, I've already paid you a whole lot, too. You know. he, he was just ribbing. <laughs> Ronald, you know, you know I love you like a brother, my friend. And what we built there uh, over starting in 1974 till the end, uh, I can't tell you that was one of the most exciting and uh, I felt we accomplished so much, and I'm so proud of that time, and so proud of being your friend. And like I say, you're my brother. Well, I love thank you, you, man. Very much, Les, and uh, I appreciate it very much you being on with me. I'm probably going to have you back again, man. Thank I'm you. Always so much. available. Always available. Dave, yeah, enjoy a, talking uh, to you. And I hate you, Dave, because you got such a great radio. <laughs> oh, you're very kind. Hey, what an honor. We talk about you like so. You're like a family member now, and it's it's an honor having you on live. That's awesome. Thank you, sir. Thank you, my friend. You guys have a good one. Take care. On Facebook, two sites that only require you to like and follow Ron to become a friend with a legend. One is the Ron Fuller, the Tennessee stud page for wrestling fans. The other is the author Ron Fuller Welch page for information about his red hot novel called Brutus at Twitter and Instagram. They're both Ron Fuller Welch. Super Studcast number 37. Don't forget the Danny Hodge tribute part one with Jerry Briscoe and others telling amazing stories about Danny Hodge. It's an absolute must-hear podcast at tnstud.com or patreon.com slash studcast. Three historic hours, only $2.99. It is the best deal in wrestling. And don't forget the Studs home on the internet, tnstud.com, for souvenirs, his book Brutus, autographed even, the fantastic Southeastern Continental DVD 5-pack with 60 matches and 12 hours of old-school wrestling history. That 5-pack is only $39.99, including shipping, tnstud.com, and go directly to the stud store. Brutus, let's mention that again. Your new novel, Ron, is really shocking the world. With more than 40 reviews now, it has a 4.8 rating out of a possible 5. Find it on Amazon.com, Brutus Novel, or get the autographed copy at tnstud.com. It is being compared to Jaws, and that is saying a lot. All right, so where are we riding next week, Ron? Well, we're going to wear those Booker hats. We're going to discuss wrestling managers and how many are too many in the next uh, today's training. 
And we're going to look at another tremendous Coliseum card with a World Junior Heavyweight title match between the champion Nelson Royal against Jimmy Golden. The quarterfinals of the Cadillac Tournament. We're down to eight guys remaining in that tournament. And for the first time ever, the appearance of Dick Slater in Southeastern Wrestling. Uh, We'll talk about the TV that promotes that card. We'll give you the results, and we'll talk about the attendance. Uh, There's also a Southeastern tag match on that card, and much more. So then we're going to answer a learning two question about how does Knoxville crowds compare with other cities of its size in 1977. Man, right. I'm telling you, the the hits just keep on coming. So next week, wrestling managers, world junior heavyweight title, four Cadillac matches, a tag championship, Dick Slater's arrival, and how big is Southeastern's success compared to others? That is a full plate right there. Well, we're just getting started, my man. Uh, 77 is a phenomenal year for Southeastern, and uh, these studcasts are are just going to start exploding, uh, man. Uh, A lot of things are really going to happen big time. So this weekly studcast is just the beginning. Uh, The catch fire, they're they're going to really be blazing before we end 1977. And I want to thank all those out there who rode with us today. And remind you to tell someone you know that would enjoy learning about how old school wrestling is done and why it was so successful. Tell them about us if you don't mind. And uh, please take care of yourselves and others. And as always, may God bless us all. And God bless you too, Stud. This is David Summers reminding you that Ron Fuller Studcast is a production of the Arcadian Vanguard Podcast Network. Thanks for joining us today for this historic studcast. The true story continues next week. So full Nelson, your friends, and point them in our direction for another ride with the Tennessee Stud. One, two, three. This is David Summers saying so long from the Great Smoky Mountains.